0: Well, good afternoon. Yes, I, uh, I woke up with pink eye this morning, so that was cool. Um, this one was just swollen shut completely and, uh, but I've had a, I got a whole day of eye drops in me, so I won't squirt on you people during, (laughs) that's gross. That's, that was uncalled for. I'm sorry. We're continuing in the, uh. Simply Irresistible series. We're looking at these eight distinctives of Cornerstone, the the things that are really core to who Cornerstone is as a church. And today we're talking about passionate maturity. We're talking about maturing in your Christian faith. This idea that you don't just step into a relationship with Jesus and then stop, but that you would continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus always. Um, I think it's easy to start to consider yourself just a consumer as as you come into church. That you would come in, sit down, and get the little bit that you need and then go. You just consume what you need and then go. We do that with about everything else, so it makes sense that we would start to think that way um, in in terms of church, that we're just a consumer. But I'm convinced that God really wanted us to be way more than a consumer. I'm convinced that God wants us to be a a, a consumee. Because God was a God, He is this God that just likes to absolutely overwhelm and consume the, the fullness of His people. Not just little bits and pieces. And I think back toward Him, He's hoping and desiring that we are just fully consumed um, by Him. And we would embrace all that He has to offer and, and not just little bits and pieces. And so this concept of Christian maturity is, is huge. Um, and, uh, it's, it's very important in our discussion here as we continue. I just want to pray for us one more time as we, uh, as we continue. So let's pray father. I'm just asking that you would uh, speak to us here in these next few moments that you would allow our hearts to really hear what it is that you want us to, to hear and, uh, whatever you want to say, father, um, would you just speak in this next few moments? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Picture, if you will, for a moment, up on top of a hill, a beautiful palace. I mean, the most beautiful palace that you could possibly imagine. Just the exterior of it, to view up on the hill, is, is a breathtaking experience. And you come to discover that were you to get inside the palace, you would find the architecture inside to be just absolutely amazing, would totally blow your mind. You walk inside and fine art is hanging on all the walls. Your best friends are inside there. The, the music is just incredible. Your favorite music, Hanson, is playing throughout the entire palace. The smells in there are, are just amazing. It just warms your very heart and, and tummy, just the smells in that place. And then anytime you get hungry, the instant you get hungry, instantly, just the big spread of your favorite foods come out. All the best foods and your favorite foods just lined up right before you. And you can eat for days and days and days and never gain a single pound. Yeah, now I got the rest of you. You also come to discover that as soon as you enter the doors of this palace, suddenly you have no more worries, no more concerns, no more fears. You have no more questions. All your doubts are waylaid. And from the depth deep within you, like you can't even describe, there is a sense of overwhelming satisfaction like you have never felt in your entire life. How many of you are mildly interested in paying a visit to this palace where it too exist? Yes, good. But it's up on the hill. And you're down here at the bottom of the hill looking up at that. And you know that that's where you want to go. And then you realize that there's this path that gets you from here to there. It's a rather long path. It's kind of twisty and turny and quite narrow. And before you can even begin to consider how you might possibly begin to traverse this twisty, windy trail up to this amazing place, you realize in God's provision, in His power, and in His compassion, He has already not just provided the road to get there, but He has provided the means by which He is going to carry you from here to there. And it's His Son, Jesus... And so for the purposes of this illustration, picture Jesus as the coolest, most spectacular horse that you've ever seen in your entire life. And now, the Christian life is boiled down in the simplicity of knowing that that's where you want to go and this horse is the way that's going to get you there. And all you've got to do is saddle up. All you've got to do is get on. And in Jesus' timing, His pacing, and in His direction, He is going to do the work. You don't have to worry about that. He knows where to go. You don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is get on and stay connected, stay intimate with Him, and He will work out the rest. This is the Christian experience in the most simple terms. But if you're anything like me, I know that I want to be connected to Jesus, but there's something about being all in, throwing both legs over that are a little bit frightening. And so I kind of do the one foot in the stirrups thing. I'm attached to Jesus. I would consider myself a Christian and I'm going to be going the direction he's going. But the problem is, Jesus is a pretty big, strong horse, and he's always moving. He's always going. He's always got something planned. And the problem, if I'm riding a horse and this is how I'm riding, this is going to be a real bummer trip. It's going to be quite painful. And I'm going to be dragged along the ground as he goes up this twisty, turny path. Yes, I will be with him, but this was not what he really intended for me. He really intended that you would throw both legs over the saddle. You would have both feet in the stirrups and that you would allow him to take you in his timing and his pacing and his direction. That you would trust him enough to get all the way on. Because one foot getting dragged is not very much fun. And those of you that maybe have tried that version of Christianity, it isn't long before you're going, wow, this, is this all that it was supposed to be? I mean, I'm a Christian, but this is pretty tiring. This is way too hard. Isn't there more than this? This is just beating me up. I just feel beat up. And that's because you were supposed to be seated this way. This is quite awkward, by the way i've never been on a horse ever um and uh so this is all very foreign to me but um in first service this morning there were some horse people here and uh (laughs) these cowgirls walked up and and um they began to tell me that they ride three or four times a week and they told me all these fascinating things about horses they said um you you got to know ron that To be a really good rider, you need to be able to listen to the horse. Because the horse is going to communicate with you in different ways. And so for you to be really riding the way that you should, you need to be in tune with what the horse is doing, not just all about what you want to do on the horse. And they said, in fact, the, the harder, the more firmly and taught you keep the reins, they said the less control you have. And for you to really ride well, you have to settle down in the saddle, relax a little bit, let go of the reins, just kind of hold on with your fingertips and let the horse kind of move. And they said, over time, you'll begin to listen to the horse. You've let go of the reins a little bit. You've settled in, got relaxed. And they said that you and the horse then begin to move as one. And they said, when that happens, then you can really experience the joy and the freedom of what it is. To go horseback riding. And I thought, man, that is such the picture of what our Christian walk should be like. It's the simplicity of both legs over, you let go of the reins just a little bit, you're listening to the horse, and you're moving toward this goal of you and the horse being one. Try to move to this goal of you and Jesus moving in the same direction. Just sensing every little moment and knowing that if if he's going this way, well, you're going to go that way. When you start to live a Christian life like that, both feet in the stirrups, fully engaged that way, this is absolutely spectacular because it moves you toward not only the place that is beyond all comprehension that he has prepared for those who love him, But also, it moves you toward the fullness, the the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of what you were created for. You were created for so much more than just one foot in getting dragged. You were created for this absolute fullness of Christ welling up within you. Not just a little taste, not just half, but the full deal, being fully consumed by Him. I'm convinced that maturity begins when you throw that second leg over. And maturity really starts to go from a trot to a gallop when you just stay connected. You ease up on the reins a little bit and work on finding that oneness with Jesus. It was such a foreign concept back in Jesus' day for people who were God followers to um, give about an ounce of their energy toward it or even half of themselves. That would have been the weirdest thought to someone that yes, I believe in God, but I'm going to follow him with just about this much of my life or I'm going to give him just about this much and then I'm going to keep the rest. That was absolutely absurd. In fact, in the Jewish culture, I watched this video several years ago. that just totally blew my mind speaking to this thing and the pastor was just talking about how the Scriptures were so important to the culture back then, this Jewish culture, they were so enveloped in these Scriptures that it flooded through every part of them. In fact, the children that, in that day, when they would get to about five years old, the vast majority of these Jewish children, by the time they were about five years old, would have had the first five books of the Bible memorized. By five years old. Not the names of the books of the Bible, the entire contents of each of those books. This is a very big deal. He went on to say that maybe five, seven years later, some of them would have dropped out. But there was a huge majority that would still be going for it. That by the time these kids were 10, 11, 12 years old, they would have memorized the entire Old Testament. This is phenomenal to me. And the best of the best within that pack that had made it, the best of the best of the best would would get picked by these rabbis. Because back then, uh, especially for male kids... The dream job was to be a rabbi. This is what everybody wanted to do. Forget fireman or policeman or actor or athlete or whatever. It it was, I want to be a rabbi. I want to be a teacher of the scriptures. This is what these kids, this was the job, the goal, the most important thing in their culture. And so it was a huge deal if you got picked by a rabbi and you'd walk behind your teacher and just soak up every single thing that they had to teach you. In fact, a well-wishing phrase to people back then was, may the dust of your rabbi's feet be upon you. May the dust, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And that was just this symbolic picture that if you were that close to your teacher, that you were walking behind them and the dust off the dirt roads was getting kicked up and covering you, man, you were that close. You were that dialed in with your teacher and then henceforth that dialed in to God. Which then is such an amazing picture of how cool it was at who Jesus picked for his disciples. Because Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher. But we know that his disciples were all the fishermen and the tax collectors and all of that. And if they were doing fisherman work or tax collecting, this was because they were the flunkies. These are the ones that at five years old went, no, I can't memorize that. I'm not good at that. And they bailed out. So if they're in the family business by this point, it means that they weren't good enough to be chosen by a rabbi. And so what an amazing thing it is. It's why when Jesus comes into their midst, this rabbi, this teacher, and he says, hey, you drop your nets and come follow me, that instantly they were ready to go. Because at their late teens, early 20s, I mean, they thought that their time had come and gone. There was no way that they were going to get to pursue the most important thing in their culture and in their life. And so they were willing to drop everything, change everything to be fully consumed and devoted to the scriptures and to this God. The cool thing is, is that same invitation that was offered to those disciples is offered to every single one of us here today. I don't have this memorized, by the way. But it doesn't matter because Jesus still offers this invitation for me to come be a follower of his. And in that context, I'm just like, man, I want to get to know him as best as I can. I want to mature to the full extent of my ability. I think all of us need to develop this absolute refusal to ever stop growing in our relationship with God the i've fallen and i can't get up mantra can never pertain to christians because the reality is you walk with jesus long enough you're riding on this long enough you're going to fall off whether because of rough circumstances or some missteps or poor choices on your your part you'll fall off and oftentimes we fall off and we go well i fell off there's no point for me to get back on And that's the furthest thing from the truth. All God wants is you to get back on the horse again. Just get right back up, stay connected and keep moving because falling off is part of maturity. Making some missteps, going through rough times, brokenness, sin issues, falling off, overcoming, getting back on and going, that is part of maturing to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, the whole measure of who you were intended to be. We're just going to look at one passage this afternoon, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. It's about three-quarters of the way through your Bible. If you've got it, you might want to open up to that. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. It's a pretty familiar passage, but I think it's, it's just so instructive to us. As we're pushing for this concept of maturity in our faith. Ephesians chapter 4, go to verse 11. This first couple verses is all one long sentence. I'm going to read that and then we'll back up and kind of unpack here a little bit. That last phrase there is the goal. That last phrase is the goal for you as an individual and I think for us as a church that we might attain to the, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's such a great ministry philosophy for your life and for this church. That you would pursue you yourself becoming the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's such a beautiful image. And we could spend weeks and weeks talking about what that even looks like. But it's that Jesus is the goal. You ever miss you know, what what you're supposed to be shooting for? What you're supposed to look like? What what you're going to turn out like when, when you finish growing? Which, by the way, that doesn't happen until heaven full maturity getting the whole measure of the fullness of christ we, we don't get that until we see him face to face someday in heaven but we can get a great deal of it here in this time that he's given us and uh so this goal is to get to this full measure of who you were created to be in jesus back it up just a little bit verse 11 here's how it works It says, it was He who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It was He. It was Jesus who planned this out. It was God that designed this from the beginning. This was the plan right from the beginning. And the plan was, we have to mature up, grow up, build up the church. We can't just have people come into a relationship with God and then stop there. We we have to build these people up. And so God in his wisdom says, I'm going to figure out a way to do that. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to design some people within the church to be gifted as evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers. I'm going to wire some people up for the purposes of teaching and maturing up the other people within the church to do their job. That was the plan from the beginning. Um... There's some of you in here that are gifted that way. There are some of you in here who are shepherds, that are teachers. And you're doing that. You're serving somewhere here in the church, whether it's with little kids or um, adults, somewhere in between. It was the plan that you would be doing that so that the whole body could be built up and mature and developed. I imagine in a room this size though that there are some of you in here that have that gifting but you're not quite using it yet. But you just got to know that it was the plan for you to be good at teaching, good at shepherding, good at sharing your faith with other people. That that was on purpose and that purpose was to be used to mature up, to grow up this body right here. There's an opportunity right now As we're talking about maturing in our faith, life groups here at the church are truly one of the best ways to do that. To be a part of a group of believers, maybe eight to 12 other believers that you can um, really engage with, share life with, deepen your understanding and knowledge of God's word and what he has for you, laugh with each other, cry with each other, learn with each other, And it's an amazing opportunity, and there's there's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these groups. But Cornerstone is now pushing 3,500 people and hundreds of people just coming to Christ year after year for the first time. And the issue is becoming a huge one for us to grow these people that we have up into maturity. And our problem is we don't have enough leaders for these groups. And yet we know, based on God's Word, that right here in our midst, there are people that have this ability to teach, to shepherd. And we desperately need you right now to help bring this church to maturity. And so as you leave today, there's a Got Life banner outside, and there's a booth with Tom Stone and some of his other leaders that are out there. And if you in any way, shape, or form would consider facilitating leading one of these groups just for six weeks then go talk to them ask them questions we need all age ranges and types you don't even have to be able to teach that incredibly well yet we can teach you that this opening six week series is is a dvd curriculum so you pop that thing in and then host it in your home and maybe just lead a discussion with some other believers that way if you decide to continue on then we can provide all the training that you might need But if God has already laid that on your heart and given you that talent and that ability and that gift, it's meant to be used for the building up, the maturing of the rest of us here. So would you consider that as you cruise out today? It continues on here, verse 12. It was designed this way to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That phrase, to prepare God's people for works of service, that phrase in the original language um, means to put right. It was also used to describe when a net was broken and needed to be mended. It was also used to describe the process by which broken bones would be set back in place. And so as God is talking here through Paul about his plan to bring people to maturity... He's using this language of healing, this language of restoration. And and that's my favorite part. When we start talking about maturity is this picture of restoration. I think Christian maturity, Christian discipleship at best is really all about restoration. Here's what I mean. When sin entered the world, we lost something. It was paradise, perfect intimacy prior to all of that. Sin enters the world and everything gets screwed up. And we lost our image. We lost our focus. We lost the intimacy of that relationship with God. We lost so much. We lost our image. And so now, in pursuing the whole measure of the fullness of Christ... To really go for maturity the way I think that God wants us to go, it's about having His image restored back in us. Great maturity means step by step, year by year, you would be more restored back into the person that God really intended for you to be. And the cool part about that is that the more restored you get by God, the more connected you are to Him, the more both feet in the stirrups you are, The more restored that you become, I think the natural thing then is for you to be a restorer to other people. Do you ever meet somebody that whether for like five minutes that you're hanging out with them or maybe a dinner or something that you leave feeling more restored than before? Do you know any of those people? These are the best people to be around. As opposed to the opposite of restorative people, which I guess is draining people. but restorative people that just fill you up spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially. You can't help but just feel better and filled up and more linked to your Creator after having spent some time with them. And what a great byproduct of maturity. You will become a restorative person the more mature that you become. I, I love that picture. Imagine if there were 3,500 people cruising around Chandler in all these different areas that were restorative types of people, that were mature followers, that everywhere that they went, everybody was going, Man, I just feel better every single time I'm around that person. The way you get there is through this maturity. Through this absolute refusal to stop growing. It says to prepare God's people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And that is just another cool byproduct of maturity unity. That the more mature that you become, the more that you grow up in your relationship with God. The natural outpouring is also unity because here's the deal. The more that you're saddled in with Jesus, the more that you're becoming one with him. It just makes sense, right? That the more oneness you feel with Jesus, then the more oneness you would feel outwardly, the more unity that you would feel between each other. That there would be less disagreements and frustrations and arguments, less clicks, less separation, and more unity. As you are finding oneness with Jesus, I think oneness within this church, within your relationships, is a natural byproduct of maturity as well. And we need a lot more of that. So, until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. Maturity doesn't happen without knowledge. You need knowledge to mature. You need to know what God's Word says. You need to be well studied this way for maturity to really run its full course. This is why if you haven't come to the mine on Tuesday nights here at Cornerstone, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. Pastor Jeff teaches this and it's Tuesday nights, and it's, it's absolutely incredible. If you've never been to seminary, you can go for free Tuesday nights here every single week. And you talk about a man who is passionate about the Word of God and can make any piece of Scripture come alive. It's Pastor Jeff. And it's such a powerful thing, powerful ministry that he has to allow us right here for free to dive in and begin to grow up with our our knowledge and mature in him, mature in the fullness of Christ. And that's where it leads, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now here's what happens. The more mature you get, look at some of the extra benefits here verse 14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming you move out of like the infancy stage of being a christian which is a great thing I mean, babies are cool. Braddock's awesome. We're loving him. He's 10 months old now, and it's been cool to watch him mature o- over 10 months. But we're hoping that that will continue. We, we don't want him to be 14 and still in diapers. That's not going to be fun for me or his mom or him. You would hope that that maturity would just continue and, and develop. It has to. And as ludicrous as it would be for Braddock to still be in diapers at 14, it's the same thing for us just to step into a relationship with Jesus but keep one foot in the saddle and that's it. To never really grow toward the fullness for which He's created us. I love this other part of it though here too says we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming one of the amazing results of maturity in your faith is stability that the more mature you become the more solid a foundation you lay that is just unshakable you see, without maturity, it's so easy to get pulled one way or get pulled the other, to get deceived by this or get deceived by that. It's easy to have the wool pulled over your eyes or for you to buy into something that sounds close to what we believe, but upon further study, really isn't. Just because it's on Oprah does not mean that it's gospel. I love Oprah. She's cool. She's, she's happening, and she's doing a lot of incredible stuff. But there's a lot of stuff on there that I think people that are not mature enough will buy into and dial into just because it's coming from her mouth, and they don't ever measure it against Scripture. They go, hey, the secret? That's cool. I'm on board with that. And they don't know, or whatever it is. And some of this stuff is incredibly deceitful. How would you ever be able to discern what's a lie and what's truth unless you begin to mature? Can you imagine those five year olds that had the first five books of the Bible memorized? That's pretty incredible. I think those would have probably been about some of the most mature five year olds I would have ever been around. Because that's the deal. Maturity doesn't just happen the older that you get. You can't be passive and just assume that you're going to become mature. I know way too many older people that are not mature at all that prove that that's the case. And I know way too many younger people that are mature beyond their years that proves that that's the case. To really mature, there are some circumstances or situations in your life that may have you grow up Faster, maybe than you should. But when it comes to your spiritual relationship with God, it takes an active role that you must have to become mature. You need to work at it. And it is hard. It's very difficult. Let me ask you this question. Assuming that you're doing something right now to grow deeper in your walk with God, whatever that is, how small or how large, if you just continued as is with what you're doing, and we came back a year from today, would you be any more mature than you are right now in your faith in Jesus? If you didn't change a thing over the next year? If the answer is no, then maybe some adjustments need to be made in your life to pursue maturity, to take an active role in staying connected to Jesus, in in growing deeper in your relationship with Him? If the answer is yes, I would be more mature, then wow, just keep on keeping on. But here's an even better question. If you did nothing over the next year, and we came back a year from today, you changed absolutely nothing... Would God be proud of how much you've matured over this year? That's an entirely different question. Because now the bar is a lot higher. Because if you're anything like me, I can go, yeah, I'm totally growing right now. It's only about this much, but I'm growing. So by this time next year, I'll be this much more mature than I am today. And by my standards, I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being in diapers when I'm 14. This is fine. Somebody comes and cleans me up. This is good. This is a good deal. But God is going, I, I, Ron, don't settle just for this in maturity. Don't settle for this in growth. I've got this for you. You're going to opt for this? when I know you think this is cool, and it is cool. That's great. But this is so much better. And if you would just stay connected, just trust me, I I can get you to this in this next year. I, I guarantee it. So just stay connected. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. And I love that when you are dialing in this connected to Jesus, both feet in the saddle, fully pursuing maturity actively, that you are growing in his direction. At any given moment, you're growing in his direction, not your own. You don't need to worry about where you're going, what you're doing. Just stay connected. That's it. Go read John 15 this week. The vine and the branches. Just stay connected. This is our job. Stay connected to Jesus. Let him take care of the rest plain and simple, stay connected, stay connected, stay connected, let him do the work. 16, it says from him, Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. From him, the whole body, joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The plan was that all of us would be pursuing maturity. Now see, this church can be um, a scrawny, skinny, wimpy little dude standing out there, or we could be Arnold Schwarzenegger church. We could be ripped and buff. We could be like Jesse. We would just be huge. Huge. And the cool part is you're the, you're the musculature. You're the ligaments. You're the musculature of the church. And so as you become more mature, more strengthened in Him, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ, now, whenever God calls a specific part of the body to flex, it's ready to go. And what calls this part of the body to flex, well, you're pursuing maturity and strength and growth. You're ready to flex and you're ready to go. We're never called upon in that moment where we're too weak to do anything about it. We're in good shape. There's some pretty practical things then that you can do. We've talked about the mine on Tuesday nights with Jeff. Talked about joining some of the life groups that are here. Bigger than that today, if you would consider being a leader of one of those groups, man, just go talk to somebody, please, outside there. That God might use you to be an instrument of building the rest of us up. Small churches here that meet on Sundays that are are grouped kind of by life stage and and, uh, different things going on in their lives are another great way to to grow deeper. Information for all those is out, out on the patio. Maybe it's your own personal study That you need to engage in. Pastor Lynn did that challenge a little while ago, 40 days reading through the Psalms and Proverbs. Maybe it's time to recommit again to your study of God's Word personally. There's nothing like that. That time between you and Him to dive into God's Word, maybe you recommit to another 40 days, 10 minutes a day for 40 days. Maybe you start in this book of Ephesians. It's a great book. And you commit to growing deeply, going after the fullness that he created you for and refusing to settle for this when he's got this for you. When you do that, it goes from one foot in to both feet over. Settled in, light on the reins and letting Jesus do the work. You just stay firmly planted. And He will develop this maturity in you like you can't possibly imagine. And He will take you eventually to a place that is going to blow all of our minds. Can I get a giddy-up on that one? (laughs) Let's pray. Father, uh, I just love so much that you are who we're going after. It's the fullness of you. I would love personally and for this entire church, because we're maturing at such a rapid rate that we get mistaken for Jesus at some point. That would be so cool. That we look so much like what people perceive him to be. It would be hard for them to tell the difference. God, work in us whatever it is that you need to work. We know that we can't do any of what we talked about without you giving us that desire to mature and to grow. And now we're left with all these specifics about specifically what does it mean to stay connected and specifically what does it mean for me to put things in my life that allow me to grow. Guide us to those answers, Father. We look forward to seeing how strongly you will build us up. In Jesus' name, amen.